1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? Paddle and Finn has got a meetup going down October 16th through 18th at Eastport Marina and Resort in Alpine, Tennessee, which which falls right on Dale Hollow. What we're going to be doing is just hanging out, fishing. Uh, depending on the number of people that show up and the interest, we may do a small tournament. Uh, we will have some stuff to give away Saturday evening. We're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action we'll have food for everybody if you're looking for lodging you could stay right at the resort it's fifty dollars per person per night um, and what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat luxury houseboat courtesy eastport marina that's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners if you want uh, more info on the resort you can go to eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there you'll see all the houseboats and things like that a majority of our hosts are going to be there and we would love to spend some time on the water with you this segment is brought to you by Jigmaster jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com and use promo code pnf20 and save 20 percent off your next jig order today welcome to the paddle and fin podcast network this is the final cast segment with your hosts, Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge, where we cast our final opinions on all products, good and bad. Welcome to the final cast. You're listening to the final cast on the Paddle and Finn Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brad. Jimmy filling in tonight. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Glad to be back again. Yeah, it's become a weekly thing. Yeah. Enjoy hanging out with you, man. Everybody needs more me. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me more than once a week. I, I'm, it's flattering. Hey, I enjoy it, so it's all good. Yeah. But uh, tonight we have a cool guest on the line, Brad Whitaker from Witty Outdoors. He is a angler in Ohio. Uh, won the small jaw brawl. If you guys missed the episode, we talked about it uh, about a month ago, I think, with uh, three other local anglers in Ohio. So. Uh, Brad won the uh, small jaw brawl for 
uh, July, right? Uh, August. August. Okay, yeah. I think it was the end of August. I had Ryan, Jason, and uh, Matt on to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, let's start out by uh, you giving us a little background of yourself, how you got into fishing, and uh, what kind of boat you're on and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. I mean, I got into fishing before I could even remember. Just uh, family always fished. My my dad, my grandparents, uh, uncles. I mean, pretty much our family just grew up on the water fishing and stuff. So. I was I was fishing before I could even remember. Um, started bass fishing more and more when I got to be like a teenager, 13, 14. And then by the time I was 16, 17, I was just ate up with bass fishing. And mm-hmm. uh, started tournament fishing even when I was uh, about 20, about 19, 20 years old. Started fishing some of the local tournaments and stuff around here. Um, and just, you know, keep going with it more. Um, Right now, I'm actually running two boats. I got a uh, 21-foot Stratus and a 17-foot Bass Tracker with a jet drive on it. Mm, I know which one you're taking up the river. <laughs> yes, sir. I've fished in my Stratus many times on the river, but uh, you yeah. can't get very far with it. So uh, right. <laughs> fiberglass and rocks and a foot of water don't mix too well. Yeah, that that's cool. Like. Yeah, I think I might have ran into you, actually, now that you say something about the uh, jet boat. Um, where was I? <laughs> I? I was north of Dayton. Um, I, I'm thinking it was above Island Metro Park. Do you, you, are you up in that area ever? Not very much, but I got another buddy that runs a jet around here also. Um, he runs a Black Legend. Um, he fishes up there north of Dayton a little bit. That might have been him. It, <clears throat> so me and my, me and two of my, or one of my other buddies, we were on the uh, river. He was one side, I was the other, and this guy just came busting through. And I just looked over at him, I was like, "What was that?" <laughs> I didn't even see the boat. I just I felt the wake, and I saw him on one of the railroad bridges where the old, um, that's what it was, where the old Moraine Dam was, right there in between Moraine and Dayton, where they ripped out that old DPNL dam. Yeah. I thought I went past you one day right there fishing. Oh, you might have. No, I remember. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I was, that was earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember you doing that. Now that you say that, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I had to shut down an idle through. I'm like, man. <laughs> yep, that was you. We were just putting in right there, going down. Okay. There. Sweet. That's like yeah. the honest to god. That's the worst thing when guys idle down when they see us, like. That like if you come through just idling, it's so much worse. Yeah, but Brad knows what I'm talking about. There really ain't much room here. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> our our rivers are pretty skinny and not very deep. Hey man, the rule is the bigger guy wins. So you're just out, out of luck, Brad. Y'all just got scoot over. <laughs> it's I it did like I said it. I didn't care. You know, I mean, I'm I'm cool with all the boaters and stuff. Yeah, the the river's tiny, so we were just putting in. Not a big deal. I run into a lot of guys kayaking, get into a lot of good, interesting conversations, and a lot of people looking at me really funny going, how did you get a boat here? <laughs> well, let me show you. <laughs> They're like, we yeah. had to drive our kayaks twice to get here. How did you get here in a boat? Yeah, so talk about that jet boat a little bit. How, how, how many inches of water do you need? I'm good with uh, about four inches for only a certain amount of time before I've banged enough stuff and lost momentum, but six yeah. inches all day long. That's awesome. 
I'd like, like to there's try. days I carry so much gear in my kayak, six inches isn't enough. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the kayak I have right now, you can only float three to five inches. That pursuit? Yeah, something yeah, like it that. It drafts shallow, dude. Yeah. It's, it's all about balance because it's so long at 13.5. Mm-hmm. But like you get right in the middle and get your weight distributed, that pursuit needs no water under it for real. It sits mm-hmm. so high up. Yeah, I'm probably a little off balance, but. Oh, that's the I like it weighed in the back because you turn better. Mm-hmm. You can cut corners real tight. But it's yeah. nothing like going up the river in a jet boat, banging off rocks. And you that, better. It's always interested me. I, I saw a video of guys doing that in Alaska when they're beating them aluminum V holes up. Like I just I don't care what we're going to do. I just need to ride and yeah. do that one time. <laughs> I I know that's got to make some scary noises under that boat like well there went ten thousand dollars oh there's another hole like well i've had to drop it off at the welder a few times i mean that's part of the game for it man i mean that's what i love it yeah you got an automatic i put an automatic village pump in there every now and then it kicks on you're like yep that's gonna have to go to the welder later on (laughs) (laughs) so we we had this smally talk podcast host come on a while back uh josh shrinko and he sent me a video of him jetting up the white river in his jet boat. Uh, and, uh, he, this video, all you see, they're just cruising through this riffle and all of a sudden, boom, the whole camera shakes. He ends up busting something on the bottom. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, cowling off, hit a rock with the jet foot and the back cowling pops off. And I've fished it out of the river a couple of times. And <laughs> I mean, that's what you get. Though. That's what I bought it for is to run shallow water and that's what I do with it. So that's cool. That's cool. There's times that I've actually gotten out, walked through the riffle that I'm getting ready to run through to make sure it's deep enough. Oh really? That's like oh, water got to my ankles. Send it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then you gotta find about a foot of water so you can stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good Those point. Drafts a lot. Yeah you can run in so yeah it's pretty pretty important to know what uh the river uh stretch of river you're on with one of those that's for sure oh yeah, oh, yeah. me 15 minutes i'd have it in somebody's backyard or something like <laughs> like oh sorry folks i missed the turn so uh let's talk about the small jaw brawl a little bit what's that i said i get a lot of interesting uh looks from people and then the first time you take a buddy that hasn't been out ran and stuff that shallow and everything they're like we're gonna do this <laughs> it's like when you're coming up to it and you're like hey you see that right hey hey you see that right <laughs> you know what i'm talking about you know the the water features and date yeah i started running through them last year the uh white water features really yes <laughs> Dude, wow. I need to link up and go for a ride, Brad. You need to tell me how this is. I was gonna say like, I got some on my uh, YouTube channel. Like, like the YouTube channel for our business, Witty Outdoors, and I think I've got that video on there. I'm not sure, but uh, if not, I got it on my my uh, private YouTube channel, and I need to start moving all that stuff over to our business one. That's awesome. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> so, Jimmy, the thing he's talking about, it's like a whitewater feature for whitewater kayaks. And it looks like a low head dam a little bit in spots. And when it's really low, it gets crazier. And uh, I tried I tried it going down at my kayak. I was like, I ain't doing this. Oh, dude, I wouldn't do that in a kayak with all my fishing gear in it. No oh, way. no. <laughs> but, yeah, you shooting up with that, that, 
that blows my mind. Oh, yeah. I need to see this. It's like a low head yeah. dam. I'm not even joking. I, I just wrote it down because like I need to see that. <laughs> so let's talk about the small jaw brawl. Um, month long tournament. What? Uh, I think there was six in, uh, six fish limit and. Uh, yeah, what was your uh, total inches for that? Total inches was uh, 114.75. So 114 inches and three quarter. What is that a average? About uh, 18? For 19, I think. Ooh, that's pretty good. No, that's a lot better than pretty good. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my smallest fish out of the six was like an 18 and a quarter. I had a 20 and then a few 19s. And then I think it was like, can't remember if I had an 18 and a half still in there and an 18 and a quarter, or if it was all 19 or a 20, all 19s. And then a, a 18, I'm not sure, but yeah, kind of so, towards the last week you go out fishing. You're like, man, all right, catch a good one, put it on the board. It's 17. You're like, man, that's awesome. That didn't yeah. help me fit, but that's awesome. Yeah. I know. I can't say I've ever had that problem. <laughs> Well, you get a month, so you know. Yeah, that's true. Every every time I get in a month event, it's like everything falls apart, and I have to work. I I got in two KBF monthlies this year. Literally, never wet a line on either one of them because as soon as I paid my registration, signed up, work let loose. And at Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Oh, well, well. I was kind of pushing it on mine. We actually had our first, uh, our first child on August 30th. Oh, so I was how much I was going to be fishing leading up to it. I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, if I get two, three weeks in, I was like, I'll be pretty good. You know, I mean, I'll try to get out a few times and, you know, if I do good, that's great. If not, you know, it's, it's a good fun thing to kind of do here around the house. We got the river so close to us where I live at and I uh, just thought it'd be fun to do it. And never really he, kept track. He was out there catching 20 inch smallmouth FaceTime and his wife. And like, <laughs> just push, honey. <laughs> I'm like, we still got a few hours, right? I can make it. I can make it. <laughs> call, call me when they see the head i'll be there in 20 <laughs> that's funny so the, the areas you they just honey holes or you just float along how, how do you do that i look for a lot of current breaks um especially summertime august was when the tournament was i mean i'm looking for current breaks i'm looking for anything that goes from you know a foot of water to that two and a half foot right below a ripple something like that or just all those nice little eddies where you got one bigger rock sitting, you know, in two and a half foot of water, leaving that little current break right behind it, just trying to fish all those seams. Uh, that's really what I do come summertime. And then with the jet drive boat, it allows me to just keep bouncing from one to the other to the other and just cover a ton of water. Um, I know I leave plenty of fish behind because I don't fish all the areas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because I have the luxury of that with the jet. Um, so... I try to cover, you know, the highest percentage areas and, and fish them. I look for aggressive fish. I normally power fish. Um, I'll throw a spinning rod every now and then when I really, really have to. Mm -hmm. uh, caught one during the tournament that I saw. I saw it cruising up uh, a gravel bar and, you know, 
threw a wacky rig out by it and it ate it and it was like a 16 and a half inch fish that helped me at the time but uh i only do that when i have to if i can power fish i'm going to do it yeah you know, that's it's crazy with smallmouth i've kind of seen the same thing here fishing moving water because I, I fish it basically just like you were saying just obviously slower since i'm not in a jet boat but yeah. i've seen them cruising before and it's i don't know if it's just smallmouth nature like when i see a cruising smallmouth i can throw a wacky rig and they'll at least turn and look at it you yeah. know you see cruising largemouth around here and they're focused they don't care what you're doing what you're throwing if they're cruising normally around here i don't even try but hmm. there's just crazy you said the you know that's when i pick up my spinning rod and that's when i throw my wacky rig when i'm smallmouth fishing yeah. when i see a cruiser it's kind of crazy there's been a lot of times i've seen fish cruising and yeah sometimes they'll they'll blow up on a spinnerbait or a square bill or a buzzbait or top water but it seems like when you see them cruising like that if you can throw that little wacky rig or something small more finessey by them it seems like it gets the bite the majority of the time mm-hmm. that's I interesting yeah that that's interesting because right now they're they're cruising the river right now and i think i might try to throw one of those out there just to give it a yeah. shot it's serious. Like that's the only time I'm confident throwing at cruising fish, like dead serious. Is if I see smallmouth cruising in the, you know, in the moving water, like he's talking about, or like, like you'll like if, like a lot of times I come downstream and turn back up. Mm-hmm. I'll come downstream and turn back to catch one of the current seams, and you'll see one like cruise either out or in, and I just throw in that general direction a few times and can usually pick that fish up. If it's, mm-hmm. it's just. It just seems to work. It's kind of crazy. It's just, I've never heard anybody else talk about it. It's so funny that he said exactly that, and that's exactly what I've been doing. So it sounds like I should just come up there. You should, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never thrown a wacky rig in the river. I've never never even thought about it. Only do it a handful of times, but I do yeah. keep one normally rigged up and sitting right by my feet just in case. Do you so, throw it just completely weightless, or are you throwing one of the wacky, like, jig... I, rig things or whatever they call it we throw it completely weightless okay and honestly like i said i don't do it a lot but i do have one rigged up most of the time for for those times when i see them if i see them like that i'm gonna throw them like a five inch cinco or something or what yeah it's like a five inch gray pumpkin cinco Hmm. that's my color (laughs) it works i mean you know (laughs) I hate to say that I've probably caught more fish on that than anything I've ever thrown ever. Like, but if it's a bad day, green pumpkin cinco. If it's a good day and you're needing a better bite, green pumpkin cinco. Like, it calls it weather breaks, green pumpkin cinco. It just works. <laughs> the funny thing is, my bag of cincos in that boat is probably about three years old. So <laughs> I don't think I get through a day with the same bag of cincos. Like I said, I only throw it under those certain circumstances when I see the fish. Jesus, that's crazy. When I see them, throw it at them. But if I don't see them, I'll leave that sucker on the deck and go find some active ones. I'll go find yeah. some on a bush point. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the the summer pattern, man. You uh, you got it pretty much figured out. I, I a lot of actually not just me, but there's a lot of guys that tend to struggle in the summertime. And all you're doing is just find those current breaks. I mean, fast moving part- water. Sometimes it's faster water. Sometimes it's slower water. Um, if the water's dirty or if it's clear, it just kind of those spots change, it seems like. Um, like I had one awesome day on a uh, Witty Minus One, which is a bait I make. Uh, I put the video up there on the Small Draw Brawl um, Facebook group. 
where I had four over 17 inches all come up and smoke at that. And the water was dirty. It was about a foot and a half or so of visibility that day. And those fish was in the slower water, but they was still by those current breaks. They was still by those lay down logs, a big rock laying down in the water. And I just knew where those places was from fishing it previous times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd throw that bait right over it and they would just come up and uncork on it. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> See, some, summer patterns, probably the only smallmouth, especially fishing moving water. That's probably the only smallmouth pattern I have figured out. And like, like you were saying, him having it figured out, people struggling. Like I, I like me and him attack it exactly the same so far from what he said, it, you know, current seams and power fishing. Um, I have seen, I don't know, maybe if you could attest to this, I've had when you've had a good rain and the water, the speed picks up. Mm-hmm. I always can find them in a hole. Like if it comes through a riffle and you find yep. a deep hole, you'll find them just stacked up right there. And, you know, I totally changed. Like I, I threw a swim bait and spinner bait and all sorts of stuff through there a million times. And I was like, well, let's slow down. And then I just started picking them off. And then I'd yep. go upstream, find another, you know, where the, the hole was deeper because the water was up and faster. And I'd pick them out of there again. It, and a lot that's time, crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, and a lot of times with your river and even creek smallmouths, I learned that when I was a teenager waiting, is a lot of times they're not in kind of the middle of that hole. They're right up there at the very beginning of it or mm. all the way back on the very tail of it. And that's that's honestly probably what it was when I was catching them because all I was doing was basically throwing up in the current and I'd let it come down. I know there's a hole there and I know I was catching them in the same spot, but I can't really say because of the visibility exactly where at in that hole I was, but I know it was either, like you said, on the, on a leading or tailing edge of it or in the middle, middle, but it was something about that feature and they were just stacked up on it. They sit right underneath those holes like that where those riffles stop. I mean, you get a little bit of a current break there where when you get just a little bit of a depth change, that gives them a little bit of an eddy. You can't see it because it's right there on the very bottom of the of the waterway, but that gives them just a little bit of slack water to sit there and wait in for something to come over their head from that fast water. And, you know, they'll, they'll sit there when they're aggressive, and, you know, you find them stacked up like that. Like you said, a lot of times they're stacked in a place like that because they're all yeah. there. Like- That's something I try to tell everybody that is, like, going out, especially, like, people around here, they see – Someone else catch smallmouth and they go after it. You know, largemouth, when they're schooling, it's that way. But a lot of the time you'll catch, you know, one good one here, one good one there. With smallmouth, I keep it in my head that they travel in packs. They have, like, little wolf packs that they hang out in. And, like, like I've been on the Collins River uh, briefly on the Tennessee. And I got to see that day the water was real clear. It was like a four-foot creek. was, like, four four-pounders just cruising together. And then, like... You know, I'd go up a little more and then you'd not, not as big, but you'd see a couple two pounders, but there'd be four or five of them cruising together. And I like seeing that just like drilled that in my head. It's like, if you find one, you probably found a few, you know, and they're so aggressive that it's not like you catch one and they spook out. Like I would almost say they're stupid because they're like, where'd Ted go? Oh, <laughs> look at that. They, they, they are stupid. I mean, like during the spawn and stuff and pre-spawn, man, they, they it seems like they just attack whatever you throw at them. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're real easy to pick off those times of the year. Don't yeah, too many people. More people are going to start fishing for them. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think we have well we have that problem here. Everybody fishes for them here since there's not many lakes. But 
it is what it is. <laughs> so you want to get into some of your uh, baits that you make? Yeah. Uh, how long you been doing that for, Hub? Uh, we started Witty Outdoors in 2018. So we're a little over two years old now. Um, so still trying to get our name out there and uh, get our product out in front of a lot of people, you know. So uh, always helps. Uh, the small draw brawl is definitely good for me locally. A lot of local guys yeah. right going the river going, hey, how are you catching all them things, man? <laughs> and uh, I mean, honestly, in the small draw brawl, the six that I put in, I caught them all on our uh, crankbaits, either on the minus one that we make or the regular square bill that we make. Um, I had a couple throughout the tournament. Like I said, I had the one on a wacky rig that I caught. It was on there for a little while, but it didn't make my final six. Caught a couple on a spinner bait. Again, didn't quite make the final six, but the last, uh, the biggest six that I uh, had in that tournament was all on baits that we made, which was something that was really awesome to me uh, to, you know, do that on, on our product. So but, yeah. I'm not the local here so are you only making crankbaits and yeah or treble baits i would say yeah crankbait yeah yeah right now essentially we're making uh Ooh. that body shape right now actually we got two body shapes because i got a flat side also but this one is a uh, a minus one version which just the only thing that's different between this one and our normal square bill let me grab one of our normal ones right here is just the uh the bill shape oh yeah and, and oh, that man angle. i need that one but uh <laughs> I'm a sucker for black and blue anything. Black and Me are too, sick. man. They're Me asleep. too. <laughs> so I've ever seen a black and blue crankbait. Yeah, there's some out there. We've I mean, yeah. jerk baits and Six dark. Sense has one. Yeah, yeah but Six has one close to this bandit was the first one that I remember throwing back in the early two thousands. I mean, just a black with a blue flake bandit. Yeah, and it didn't matter if the water was clear or if it was dirty. That's the weird thing about the black and blue color around here. They'll bite it in gent clear and they will oh, yeah. bite it in mud. I mean, it's, it's just weird. It's so funny you brought this up because I just uh, had a uh, discussion with a uh, fellow podcast um, listener just recently, actually this past weekend. And he was like, oh, black and blue don't work in clear water. I just like. I was shaking my head at my phone. I was like, "You could throw black and blue and moving <laughs> lava and catch fish." Like, oh, dude, black it and works blue in just works. Just like yeah. another color that doesn't make sense: bubblegum pink. Yeah. <laughs> you throw bubblegum colors anywhere; they work no matter what the water looks like. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I had a, uh, a tackle show we did one in Lawrenceburg uh, two years ago, and uh, the guy was asking me, "He's like, hey, you know." Asking, talking about the crankbaits and everything. He goes, what is one of your favorites? I said, honestly, that black and blue is just a straight-up sleeper. I was like, no one hardly throws it. I was like, it don't matter if it's clear water, dirty water, whatever. I said, if I got a shad color, I want a black and blue one. And depending upon water color, you know, maybe a chartreuse of black or something. But I'm like, the black and blue will play on any water color. And a guy got a hold of me about a month later or so and ordered some. And uh, later on that summer, he's like, you're not kidding about that black and blue. He's like, there's no bad time for it. He's like, I was like, I don't know what it is. I was like, either they eat it or they don't eat it, but it doesn't matter on the other conditions. I'm like, clear water, dirty water. I don't, I don't run into it being a problem, but just some days they just don't quite want it. So, you know, you throw more of your natural colors then, but uh, I about always got one tied on and sitting and give it a shot oh, to see yeah. if it works day. So, so what kind of depth range? You said there's square bill. I mean, and obviously you showed it to us, but for people listening, it's uh, square bill. What kind of depth ranges are we running? 
the regular square bill here is about three to four foot. Mm-hmm. It is uh, kind of, you know, a long cast on 12-pound fluorocarbon. You know, you stick your rod down and stuff. You can get them down to about four foot. Um, a lot of average casting. You get something like that on it. And, uh, you know, I do some fishing down on, like, the Ohio River and stuff, too. Largemouth fishing there. And I'll throw them on 20-pound test and making short target casts. And, you know, it only gets down to about two, two and a half feet then. Um, but the other one I showed you there, that the minus one, it gets yeah. about a foot and a half. Um, How yeah, much? About 18 inches, about a foot to a foot and a half feet. Hence the minus one name for it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times with that one, I'll throw it um, almost like a topwater bait. I mean, I'll throw it on 20-pound mono, keep my rod tip up, and literally wake it right there yeah. along and it is just absolutely fun when any bass comes up and smokes top water, right? Which for people uh, listening right now, that's a heck of a fall tactic too. Oh yeah. Wake baits have their place in the fall. And I will say, don't count it out in the summertime because I think I put four of my biggest six in the small jaw brawl all on that minus one also. That's awesome. Mm, so, <laughs> come up, have a four pound smallmouth blow up on that thing and it will wake you up. <laughs> How exactly do you work those uh, the na- minus one? Uh, I will do it. Um, I will literally cast it out, and normally I'll hold my rod up, hold mm-hmm. it up about a uh, about a ten o'clock position or something like that. And with twenty pound mono, it'll only get you know, I'll only let it get two inches under the water or something like that. Mm-hmm. When I can get a meet in that top water. Um, you know, if I'm fishing some shallow flats or something, I might stick my rod down and then that bait will get down about 10, 12 inches. But I love it when they come up smoking on top. So if I can get them to do that, I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. So are, are you, so you're holding your rod tip up. Are you just like reeling it slowly or pausing? Sometimes, slow, sometimes fast, just really depends upon the day on that one. Um, I typically mm. will just do a constant retrieve every now and then kind of shake or pop my rod just to give it that little bit of a, a burst or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that'll cause a, a reaction strike for sure. Um, especially if you're throwing right where, you know, you're coming over the top of a big rock or something, you come right in, start hitting that eddy and nothing hits it within that first foot taking, just kind of twitch it for just a second. And sometimes that'll trigger that small mouth to come unglued. And Ooh, just give me so many ideas. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally was- new way to fish it that I've not done. So. Oh, I've done that with a spinnerbait for a long time, but it works on a crankbait too. Mm. He, he he sells these uh baits in down, downtown Dayton shop called uh Fisherman Head Fisherman's Headquarters, and that's only like ten minutes away from me, so I need to make my way over there. Buy some. Do you have an online store too, or you just do it there? On a, a website, wittyoutdoors.com. And then, as Brad said, if you're here in the Dayton area, Dayton, Ohio area, uh, we're in Fisherman's Headquarters, and I'm trying to work with a couple other shops around here to get into. Um, I've been I've known Fisherman's Headquarters since the '90s, so I've been yeah. a while down there, and a bunch of that's great a, guys there. That's a good shop, man. I I love their they service reels, and they're good all around. I like them. Heck yeah. Yep. And then one of the other models that we got is a uh, flat six. This is our witty flat six. This guy will get about uh, five to seven feet. I love a flat side. Ooh. And you know, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of that tighter wiggle. So whenever you're getting into that wintertime fishing, mm. you can't be flat sided in cold weather. 
Yep. I mean, I've caught plenty of smallmouth in it in the summertime too, just because I was fishing a deeper hole and I wanted a bait to get down a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you know, the flat side to me, bread and butter is wintertime, wintertime, early spring. So that, that bait kind of reminds me of like a cross between a rattle trap and a crankbait. Is that what that is basically? Um, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, it's got a lot more vibration than a rattle trap. Um, mm-hmm. It's more, uh, I would say, more along the lines of kind of closer to like a shad wrap, honestly. Yeah. That's, okay. pretty, um, That's what typ- typically it's crazy that you get more, like you said, more vibration, but they have less movement. Because if you watch a, like you said, Brad, a rattle trap, you know, rattle trap comes through the water. Right. You know, like some of them come through just whacking real, both sides real fast yeah but they're chattering and the weights are keeping them at a different balance and everything and i don't know about yours but most of the flat side that i've used they're silent and they they just have this tight wiggle but you can feel it just doop, 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 yep. doop. mine's a little bit more aggressive than a lot of the other flat sides out there just because i like a little bit more thump personally so mm-hmm. you know i've made it the way that i really Heck liked yeah. it so i mean you know just part of it but uh I've actually got a, a tungsten weight transfer system in here, mm. and then it also gives it a one-knocker sound. I don't know if it'll come through or not. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not a real loud rattle. It's just kind of that subtle thud. And that tungsten thud on a one-knocker is, like, deep, and it trapped from all the research you read about on it. It travels, so you yep. can call them in from further away. Yep, it's not that higher pitch, higher frequency that you get with the, uh, you know, the the mass-produced plastic baits. Uh, so it's a little bit different sound out there. Um, I do that with all of our baits. Um, the the regular witty and the witty minus one all have that tungsten weight in there that rattles and also wow. moves from the belly to the back as you cast it. That way it doesn't tumble as bad while you're casting too. Unlike a lot of the other handmade balsa baits, so hmm. Thank it you. makes us different. So yeah, are Silent too, and I did put uh, one of the fish in that small draw brawl on this uh, color that I haven't even got a name for yet. I've been playing with that color a little bit this summer. Um, it's kind of in between like a uh, cellmate color from Spro and like a um, oh shoot, what was that color? Oh, what is it? Oh, it's one that Six Sense make, but it has kind of a purple back, and it's a more chartreuse side. Uh, this one's kind of in between both of those. It's got a little bit of hint of chartreuse to the side, real faint, and then kind of that grayish purple back there. Oh, yeah. And then this one's so completely silent. So I've got the same weight in there, but I've got it anchored in place. So Nice. That, that one looks cool. Yeah, that one I should uh, hopefully get some more colors and get some more silent ones made up this winter and have them ready to go before show season. So I've been yeah. kind of playing with that one, making sure I'm happy with it all summer. Well, speaking of show season, which shows are you going to – or what are you planning on? 
Uh, this year, we're just going to stay local. Um, we did just have, you know, my wife and I had a baby here at the end of August, so we don't really want to travel too much this winter. But uh, we're planning on doing the um, the Tri-State Outdoor Show, which will be at the, uh, I think it's the Butler County Fairgrounds there in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to do the uh, Cincinnati Fishing Expo. Awesome. Which, I was hoping, was hoping you'd be there. I'll be at that one. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I think I'm going to make it up for that one, so that'll be cool. Yeah, last year was uh, the first year they did it, and it was a really good show. Um, mm -hmm. I was really impressed with it. It had a really good turnout. We did good in the booth and uh, just really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, that that whole show was awesome. I, or, I was in the booth for Loveland Canoe and Kayak, and we sold like 11 kayaks two days that weekend. Nice. Yeah, it was a good weekend. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, you yeah. go into those things, you're not thinking that you're going to sell a kayak, you know. You're just there to show them off, but people are like, hey, I want that. All right. Yeah, no, that was the same experience. I worked a Hook One booth at the East Tennessee show, and I thought it was all for show. Like, I didn't know to literally till I was helping set up. Like, they were setting up a register, and I was like, oh. And, you know, we sold 22 boats just at the expo. And we had, I can't remember, I think we had like a 40 by 20 booth or something. We had a huge booth. We were selling Jeez. accessories and yeah, gadget was set up with us. He was selling stuff faster than he could put it together. And was that last? Was, yeah. Okay. We was down there last year. Well, it was, was the, the beginning East of this year. It was February this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We was down there. We didn't make it down on Thursday. We was there from uh, Friday to Sunday. Where were you set up at? It was over by the um, Bass Cat Boats. I can't remember remember the marine dealer, but uh, I don't as know you how came, I missed in, you, man. Oh yeah, where was y'all at? So if you came in the technical main entrance, yeah, um, you know, there's only like five booths set up in there. Yeah. When if you walked in and went left, we were on the back left corner. We had the biggest kayak set up. We had we we had like 15 boats on display at a time, nice. and we had we were set up in between two giant tackle dealers, and it all kind of worked out, but I walked around that place. I, I worked all four days. I walked around that place. I don't know how I did not catch your stuff. And now I'm mad because that means I missed something. <laughs> <laughs> I might have seen your booth too at, at Cincinnati. I just can't remember exactly. Yeah, Cincinnati, we was about the second row back uh, close to the hog trough over there where they had that set up. Yeah, I don't remember. Cincinnati. And then, yeah, East Tennessee, we was over there. Man, I can't remember that Marine dealer, but there was a, a Bass Cat dealer because we had one of the Bass Cats set up just directly across from us. And then next to them was the Sea Arc boats because uh, they had and a couple they were right down from Vexus, weren't they? they? <laughs> I think they were right down from the Vexus boats because the Vexus had the whole back corner because they had okay. ridiculous amount. That's crazy. I can't believe I missed that, man. I'd have gone... I say I would have gone broke. I did go broke. I spent so much money at that show. <laughs> it is rough when you go to the shows, man, especially when you're spending that many days at them. You're like, ooh, I'm going to walk around and, uh, hey, yeah. look what I came out. I spent three days working the whole thing, and then I came in Sunday and was like, all right, time to spend money. And that was a terrible idea. I was buying dumb stuff. I was buying beef jerky from, like, people making their own beef jerky. and That is not dumb stuff. I well, gonna, I don't think that's dumb. <laughs> it's not dumb, but the amount of money I was paying for jerky, that was dumb. Yeah. I was going around with one of our other uh, Hook One Pro guys, you know, buying giant stripe baits, you know, buying topwater plugs this big to catch 50-pound stripes. Still haven't done it. 
But he was like, yeah, yeah that'll work. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Hey, you'll you'll have it like 40 years from now, and you'll tell your kids like. Oh, it's just hanging on the wall right now. It looks it, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you'll pass it down to them. Hey, try to catch a fish with this. I, I need never to get did. you one of my big display lures. Because I had a couple of big display lures. I made some that were like 15 inches. Really? My display, and then I had one at the very top of my booth, which I think I measured it. I think I made it like 22 or 24 inches. <laughs> That's awesome. Big, Dude, I'll put that thing on a 100-pound braid and throw it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I got to say one thing right now. Uh, one of our listeners, Nick Necrelli, he always hashtags his picture, pictures, shark hooks. And that reminds me of him for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> now that'd be that'd be awesome. I'm looking for stuff like big lures, and then I'm getting into the antique lures and stuff like that. I'm wanting to like do up my tackle room with that. That stuff's yeah. expensive for anybody that has not looked into that. Holy crap! Yeah, you paid fifteen cents for this, dude. I ain't giving you twenty dollars for that wooden crankbait. <laughs> well, so. That's, uh, so Go, go ahead, Brad. I was just going to get back to the, the lures. Uh, what, what's your prices on them? Uh, we're 22 for the regular square bill and then 2250 for the flat side. Just because, I mean, you know, they are all handmade. It takes a lot of time. Um, just kind of the nature of the beast on that part of it. But... That's... Jimmy, I know you're going to say something. No, I was going <laughs> to let you go. I was just wanting to know about, like, the build process. I mean, I don't yeah, know that's what I was going to say. But I just want to know, like... You say they're handmade. Like how how in depth handmade are we talking? Um, I buy a big piece of material and cut it down to what you actually see. Really? Wow. So you're not buying and painting a blank. You are. Yeah. No. That is awesome. sure. These I'm are all. Right there. I mean, uh, essentially on. Uh, I mean, on that bait right there, the only things that you could buy from a store to put on it would be the uh, eyeballs, the split rings, and the hooks. Um, awesome. I make the bill myself, buy that in a big sheet of material, and and cut out the bills and everything. What kind of material do you use for the bill? Can you say? Yeah, it's just a. Um, it's called like uh, just like a circuit board. Yeah, it's, that's what it looked like. I just didn't know if it was yeah, something. It's, it's essentially a type of a fiberglass, is what yeah. it what it comes down oh. to. But uh, yep, yeah, I don't make them out of balsa. Um, we make them out of a composite. Um, that is the same density as balsa, so you get that same lively action that you do. It has the same buoyancy as balsa does, um, but it's a lot more durable, and it's also waterproof. So unlike the other, whenever you, you're working with all the other, uh, you know, wood baits, anytime that you, uh, you uh, knock off a piece of that clear coat or whatever, wood has a tendency to soak up water, so you got to patch it real quick, make sure that it don't ever damage the bait, but with this material, um, you really don't have to worry about it. You can knock off the clear coat. It's not going to take on any water and, you know, run the bait that way. So I could, I could kind of tell, but for people that aren't watching the stream and are listening on the podcast, um, not to compare them to like Strike King, but their, their sizing is kind of universal. What sizing is it? One five, two five. It's about a 1.5 size. Okay. And kind of, uh, if you're just listening, it's kind of the shape, um, I would compare it to a 1.5 and a man's minus one, baby minus one and kind of yeah. a body shape. Uh, just to give you a general idea of kind of what that, that shape is. Awesome. So, yeah. You can see all the pictures and everything on our website <laughs> talking about the durability. 
uh, we've got a video where I actually hit one with a softball bat. <laughs> I bet you that makes a really good noise. <laughs> it does. It's a nice little ting. I broke out one of the old aluminum bats, and uh, we put the lure on a uh, spinning rod, had my wife holding it, and uh, I was actually got the idea from Bill Lowen uh, at the <clears throat> excuse me at the Tri-State Fishing Show uh, this last winter. He's like, man, what you need to do with that? is take it out there, tie it onto a rod, hit it with a bat, and reel it in. Show everybody it's still fine. So we actually went out this spring, and my wife and I actually shot that video. So, that's impressive. Awesome. When you when you get on some good fish in the river one day, you should, like when you've got a, a kind of a frenzy going or something. So bad. Like you cast it with a softball bat and then hook a smallie. Well, that's that's a goal. I, I that got us so bad. That's a great idea. <laughs> on that one target to do it but yes i do want to do it i might have to go to lake erie or lake st Clair or something but uh yeah. you know if i gotta do it to get that video that would be worth it. no that that'll be that'll be one of those break the internet ones uh, yeah. one more question was like what size what type of hook are you using they looked really quality even split rings a lot of guys that get real into technical baits and if you're if you're a person willing to pay this kind of money for a good quality bait, like you care about what split rings are on it. So what, what kind of hardware you got? Uh, using worth split rings. Mm -hmm. And then for the treble hooks, I'm using the, uh, must add KVD elite triple grips. I love those hooks. Grips. Yeah. Use a number four on the front and a number six on the back. Nice. Got the little number four or the bigger number four up there on the front. And then the number six treble hook there on the back. And yeah, those are the short shanks. So uh, the spacing on it is is just about right there where the hooks rarely ever will tangle up on one another. So that's awesome. That's Man, kind of a key to me. I'd hate to lose one of those. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's a square bill. It only runs about four foot. Your rod's longer than that. So yeah, that's, that's true. The uh, I'm trying to think. The uh, negative one is that what you called it? Minus one. Minus yeah, one. Minus one. I would probably be more prone to throw that over the crankbait, I think, just for that reason. Yeah. That I, I used to throw the squares a lot, but that wake bait's been catching my my interest lately. So, like you said, being able to either hold the rod tip up and run it like a wake bait or put the rod tip down and get that a little bit deeper, that probably, and the flat-sided would probably be my jam. Yeah, so you're down in Alabama, so, I mean, if you're fishing some of those weed beds and stuff, wherever you got, you know, a foot and a half of water, that's actually open above the weed bed. That minus one works really well with that too, because it gets right down to about the top of those weeds and doesn't get buried up in them. Lake Gunnersville everywhere. <laughs> yep, I'm about to spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get me some of those wake baits. Uh, I like like you mentioned earlier in the show. You you were talking about them for the small jaw brawl. And then right after you won that, Ryan Dahl goes out, starts catching fish with him. And then everybody everybody sees that. Everybody sees what Ryan Dahl does because he's, you know, big name in the area. And they're like, I got to get that. Yeah. So I, I see that. I'm like, I got to get that now. I think yeah. you need to make him your pro staff manager. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere on the river, it seems like. We kind of fish the same areas. So yeah. I run into him. Man, yeah. talking to all you you guys, you know, up north of me i'm gonna have some killer tactics to bring down here that nobody's doing between like this this you fishing exactly how i fished with crankbaits 
gives me confidence. And then like talking with uh, oh, we talked to him on the reel down, or maybe it was on your show, Brad. I can't remember. The Secret Lures. We were talking about the uh, stupid tubes. Yeah, that was. I think that, that was, was mine. Brian's show. That was Brian's show. I thought. Was it Matt Gibson? Oh no! Yeah, we had Matt on for the Crossroads event because we covered. That's the, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's throwing it for you know fishing it the way I would be, and he I talked to him afterwards, and he's telling me what that is, and I was like, yeah, dude, there's no one down here doing that. Like, so interesting. I'm hopefully people listen to our podcast, but hopefully they don't hold on to these golden nuggets of information we're getting. Like I don't need anybody listening to this to buy that black and blue minus one. If you oh, live yeah. in Alabama, stay stay off of it. Everybody else is fair game, but I need to hit the water with that before anybody else does around here. That's the one that has always caught my eye when I first saw your bait was the black and blue. Yeah, that's so. that's my favorite color. Yeah, that's a that's a sleeper for a lot of people. Do you have any people. other like crazy color patterns that you like? Um, because you know some some bait companies throw like what is that one called? Uh, like tiger crawl or something like that. Yeah, like, just random colors thrown together. Do you have anything crazy? No, no, nothing like that. Good. Uh, <laughs> kind of starting with the basics, just with us being as new as we are and uh, trying to get enough inventory and everything built up on the tried and true colors first, and then uh, you know I'm always thinking about adding some adding some more. I was working with a guy, a couple of guys actually that fish over on the Potomac, and mm-hmm. uh, they requested a couple of uh, crawl colors that I didn't have yet. And, uh, you know, just kind of worked with them over a couple emails and some pictures and stuff and made them up a custom crawl color that they were looking for for out there. And uh, looking to add that one to the lineup here, uh, hopefully this winter, get a little bit yeah, of time, a, get, some a, ice built, get some more uh, baits painted up. A fire crawl that color would do good, or like a chili crawl or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of similar to like a chili crawl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's <laughs> kind of similar to uh, to that hot crawl that I got right there. Yeah. Except for instead of the darker red, it's more of a kind of greenish back to it. Ooh. And uh yeah, they we worked with that one a little bit, a little bit of back and forth and finally got something that uh that they were pretty happy with and I was pretty happy with. So I got all my recipes wrote down and me and you gonna have to talk. I'm gonna get you we're gonna get <laughs> you down here in the south. We're gonna get some straight up southern colors. Hey, it's been a while since I've been down to Gunnersville. It's probably hey. been I live Six 45 minutes from there. Come on down. I got a room you can stay in. I got the spots <laughs> I can show you because we fish the same. You could bring your jet boat, and I could probably get further up some of these spots. Yeah, I was going to say, if I get down there, man, I'm looking for the Kusa. I want to ah, catch uh... the Kusas. <laughs> no, the Kusas is great. They just had that the big Hobie tournament down there last weekend, and one of the Birmingham guys, it's actually two of them, they were first and second the weekend before at the – state championship and then they swapped kind of and the guy that was in second won, and the guy that won the state came in third but huh. two solid weekends of hammering like i want to say they ended up with uh the winner had one of day was 98 inches of kusa spots which is oh, insane that is wow <laughs> i want to say that there were only it was either 11 largemouth or 11 anglers that had largemouth but wow Everything else was spotted bass. That's insane. Yeah. So we might have to do a trade trip. You come up here and we'll play around with my jet drive. I'll run down there and we can go hammer on some Guntersville ones. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. You, whenever you want to come down here, you just holler at me. We'll, 
I've yeah. I've kind of worked out my job thing where I can start traveling a lot more during the year. So we can work it out. I'll let you know, like like if you wanted like frogfish or something crazy on Gunnersville that like it's known for, we'll we can time a trip. Awesome. We can, we can trade a trip. I've tried that with Brad, but Brad won't leave his house. So <laughs> No, I just I'm just not a I don't like being in a car for over like four hours, I guess. And fly. <laughs> Yeah. I do have to go get some good fishing, man. Erie's yeah. three hours away. St. Clair's four hours away. You know, I know. I've been to Grand Lake. I've been down to Gunnersville, and I'll gladly jump in the car and get somewhere. <laughs> oh man, that's why I keep telling him, man. If I could get Brad down here one night, catch him a you know twenty-two or twenty-three inch monster on a frog in the heavy grass that he has to drag himself to the fish. I was going to say in a yak, that's got to be crazy. Yes. That that one that he was talking about before that I caught, like I didn't bring it to me at all. I brought me to it, and which sucked because I had done one of those stupid casts where I just bombed it as far as I could. It made it like four and a half feet, and it smoked it. And I like if I had been videoing, you would have heard me cuss because as soon as it hit and I knew I had it, I was like, great. This is going to take a minute. <laughs> so a few more questions here um is it anything extra for uh like a custom crankbait i'm not doing any custom bodies or anything um different sizes or anything like that but colors i mean just depends upon what it what it is um i i did a few customs for people but uh honestly i'm not the most detailed guy out there painting like uh some of the other custom painters out there that absolutely do you know amazing work where everything looks exactly like a fish or whatever that's uh not quite me uh so i kind of pick and choose the custom colors that i've had people ask me for well, that's like we i have a friend in tennessee custom paint and he can do some crazy realistic stuff but like once i pay you for that i don't want to throw it yeah. like <laughs> like i kind of like your method of it more where it's like I could call you with a custom pattern, you know, like, yeah. hey, you don't have a fire crawl. You think you could do me a fire crawl similar to this? But like, yeah. if you sent me something that was like, it looked like its gills were flaring and its eyes were reflecting, I'd be like, no, nah, this one's going on the wall. Like, can't throw that. Yeah, because that'll be the one that I like. I lose to a gar or something, you know, uh, <laughs> something with teeth. That's true. I never even thought about that. Dude, I would cry. We we don't have very many fish up here in the river where you can lose your stuff to. <laughs> Salt guy, yeah. get you every now and then. We're starting to see more northern pike. Yeah, there's getting to be more and more of them. Yeah, so, that's cool. Those you got to watch out for. <laughs> we were just talking about it that we're starting to see. We have saw guy down here, but we're starting to see more of them. And then walleye have been showing up in the Tennessee River on our end, which is unheard of because the water gets mm. so warm. Yeah, that is. But there was there was more than one occasion this year in the spring somebody caught a fish and posted it and was like, check out this saw guy. And then, like, you know, somebody in fishing game was like, no, that's a walleye. We need to know where you caught it, like, so wow. they can monitor it and stuff like that. Oh. Crazy. Interesting. Uh, I guess the last question I have is um, start to finish, how long does one bait take? Probably close to an hour and a half. And that's Stop building it. them in batches. So, you know, I don't just sit down and make one at a time. And, you know, right. I try to build 40 at a time all through, you know, step one, step two, step three. And 
I feel like you... it's actually a lot faster than I thought. Like that's yeah, it's taken me some down to that. Let's put it that way. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of little things that you learn and to be more efficient at making them and stuff. So. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That's awesome. It definitely helps making them in batches. Like I said, normally I'll run through batches of about 40. So I'll sit down and, you know, put all the, do all the painting at one time, sit down, you know, cut out all the different shapes at one time and put all the bills in at the same time and all that stuff. So it makes it a little bit more efficient when you do it that way. You're doing it completely solo though? Just you? Uh, my wife and I, yeah, my wife helps huh. a little bit build some of the wires because um, we run a, a through wire on those baits. Mm-hmm. So that's all one wire all the way from the nose down to the belly to the tail. Um, oh, okay. So we build a build a jig up to make the wire and uh, I'll get the wire started. And my wife will sit down there and bend them all out using the jig. To, that way we can put them together. That's, that's awesome. Sick. That's awesome. Definitely a process. Definitely a process. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how, how in-depth it was. That's that's cool. Well, that's, yeah. you know, that's what I was going to touch on is most people, and I'm not calling out any company, but a lot of guys that they're like, yeah, they're handmade. They're hand-painted. Yeah. But you buy clear blanks. And there's nothing yeah. against that. Some of these guys that put some of these detailed paint jobs on are insane. Amazing. Yes. And, but, like, yours is legitimate start to finish. I made it. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, that that's cool. It, like like he said, you hear somebody say handmade, you think just paint job and stuff. But yeah, I've never actually talked to anybody that's made it start to finish like that. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I definitely, took, I definitely gotta grab some. Took took quite a while, you know. I mean, even just searching for the material that I found that I was happy with because I didn't want to do balsa. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch of guys out there that make handmade balsas. They're great baits, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. So. One. One other question I meant to ask earlier and uh, dodged it was, um, do they suspend or do they rise or? They, they rise fast. Awesome. They float, float very high. See, that's great. If you break one off and something didn't eat it, you're going to get it back. Typically. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep, they float up good. I was going to say what Brad said about losing one. About the only times I've came close to losing them here in Ohio, even, is the Great Miami is bad about having pieces of carpet in it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Snagged a piece of carpet or not, but it is about impossible to get the bait back out of that. Down, down here, you have, like, grain sacks, because uh, yeah. a lot of the creeks I fish are in between farmland, and yeah. you get a good storm, and they get blown out, and you hook one of those, and they will not tear. I, yeah. You will not get it off that log. Like, yeah. it's, it's gone. <laughs> if you get a good line... Uh, the worth split rings that I use are, I think, rated out to about 15, either 12 or 15 pounds. So, you know, if, if you're running some good line and you don't have any nicks or whatever, I have actually straightened out a split ring to get one back before. Jeez. So, everything else held up great on the bait. Um, but yeah, the split ring was the weak link and 
Luckily, I was throwing it on a rod. I probably shouldn't have had it on. And I had 20-pound test on it just because it was what I had yeah. available at the time. So I threw it on it and started using it. But, uh, yeah, luckily, I, I pulled it actually out of the carpet. I'm sure it was carpet. I don't know. Couldn't see it. But yeah, I actually pulled it out, pulled the split ring straight, and put a new hook and split ring on it. Kept fishing that day. Jeez, I've never done that. I've straightened hooks. I've never straightened a split ring. That's insane. <laughs> well, it's just a matter of, you know, the the treble hooks there, those those KVD ones. are. Oh, yeah, you know, you're not going to bend that hook. Some of the other ones. So, and then, yeah, the, the split rings, I don't like running big, heavy ones on it. The one on the nose is a bigger one. I think it's rated up to maybe 20-pound test or something like that. Uh, but the ones holding the hooks on are either 12 or 15, I think. So. Oh. I got one other question. How how has the uh, pandemic affected uh, your process? I mean, hard to find materials? Uh, not too bad, uh, just because I had enough available beforehand. Um, I did have one issue trying to get some tungsten weights, because I do use tungsten weights inside of it, um, where I ran out and I had to wait on building more for about a month before the place got some more in that I could get. Mm-hmm. So. Other than that, I mean, I had enough hooks and everything on hand uh, for all the baits I've been building. I still got, I think I probably got 300 or so hooks left because I buy them by the thousand. So yeah. got to buy a bunch of them. To... Dude, I, cool. I cry when I buy like a six pack or eight pack or whatever they come in. <laughs> Those are good hooks. They're not cheap. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was one of the things I told my started this was you know I'm, I'm going to use the stuff that i believe in and i'm not going to cut the corners on it and uh you know i i just really like those hooks i have for a long time and you know you can buy them in bulk so i'm surprised I mean, you're, you're keeping kvd afloat right now and bro like yeah. he, he's not Probably. got tour wins going on so you're keeping him in business by buying his hooks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do got one more good story for you guys here on uh, why we actually started the business. Yeah, let's hear it. It's a funny story. Um, yeah, so my wife and I was fishing a tournament down on the Ohio River. And, you know, we're fishing a lot of shallow backwater areas. And we're coming up on this shallow rocky bank. And I put her on a, a brand new, really shallow running, you know, mass-produced crankbait. Just got it out of the box that morning, tied it on as we're sitting at the ramp. I'm like, this will probably play today. So we get to the spot, and I'm like, hey, you need to probably pick that crankbait up and throw it up by these rocks. So she picks it up, throws it out there, boom, hits a rock, reels it back. We're like, this is funny. One cast with it, knocked the bill off the bait. You know, it happens. But it's like that was the very first cast (laughs) of that bait. So I kind of put it off to the side, you know, and uh, about a month or so later, I was like, do you remember when you broke the bill of that crankbait during the tournament? She's like, not really. Why? I was like, well, I kind of have been about it ever since. I was like, I think we can make crankbaits and make something better than what's out there. Yeah. And something than what's out there. And, you know, I mean, we talked about it and thought about it and just kind of ran through different business plans, which I had no idea on how to do and everything coming into this because I definitely wasn't a, a business minded person coming into this. I'm just somebody that likes to make stuff, you know? So, uh, <laughs> Went through everything and started running the numbers and figuring stuff out. I'm like, you know, I think this is actually can be a legitimate deal that we can actually make this work. And after about two years of thinking about it, we uh, started it up, went full bore on it. So oh, that's crazy. Kind of story will start. So right now, I still look at my wife and say, you know, all this time that we're putting into this is your fault. 
So. <laughs> 100. <laughs> Are you, is this your full-time gig? Um, recently, yeah, it actually has turned out to be just That's because awesome. um, we wanted uh, one of us to be there for our for our uh, for our boy, and um, it made more sense for me to leave my full time job and be a dad, and then also run this business than it did for her to leave hers. So yeah, so now this is uh, left my full time gig being a dad That's and awesome. also trying to kick off Woody Outdoors and That's see awesome. how far we can grow it. with with you growing. Do you have, like, not that a big name matters, but have you been able to get your baits in in the hands of any, you know, like, bigger names in the fishing industry yet? I've got a few in a couple of the uh, BASS guys' uh, hands, uh, just from talking with them at shows and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I got a few out there with that. Um, Of course, all of them have bigger sponsors and everything else out there, so I don't really ask anything of them. I just... Ask them. Actually, you know, Bill Lone was kind of one of them. That was a fun guy to talk to. Uh, he's kind of a local for our area. He's not too far away from here over in Indiana. And um, it was good talking with him and throwing that idea out. And like I said, he was the one that gave me the idea on uh, shooting a little video of hitting one of ours with a softball bat and <laughs> ran back in. Showing that. <laughs> well, you know, as far as like the kayak, it's true with all fishermen, but like kayak guys, man, we believe in, in gear just like any angler, but as of now, most of the guys in our industry are paying for it themselves. You don't have, or they're getting discounts, but they're not getting stuff handed to them. I can think of a couple of big names in our industry right now that I know that are huge crankbait guys. Yeah. And there's one in particular that is all about, you know, Rapala or Rapala balsa baits. I would love to get a few of your baits to him and just see yeah. if I could steer him away from it. Yeah. And like our industry, up. like I said, if one of these guys use it, the rest of them will buy it. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it could be a definite, we could get you involved in the kayak industry. I I'd think love to. Easy. that'd be sick. I'm I gonna... talked to quite kayak guys, but it's cause I'm out there in my jet and you know, they're out there in their <laughs> kayaks. So, you know, I talked to a bunch of kayak guys, but I don't, I don't know it very well still. I yeah. try to keep up with it, learn more and more on it. And you know, the kayak side is growing crazy how fast it's growing yeah that's like you were saying like talking with bass you know bass master individuals like you know we've got that in the kayak world now you know and we've got you know the what they call the big three is the, the hobie the bass master and the kbf and you've got not quite household names but you've got big names in the industry that people really follow like craig die and jody queen and russ snyder cody milton and like one of those guys in particular is a big crankbait guy that I like. I trust his judgment on crankbaits, but I just wonder if, as well built as you talk about these, and like I'd like to get a few of them in his hand and just see if it opened his eyes to it. For I just think it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Reach out to him. I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm legit. I'm gonna message him uh, probably in the morning. He's fishing the national championship. So I'm sure he's oh, yeah. getting turned in and getting ready for the first day of that tomorrow. I'll but. tell you this. Um, when I was going through my prototyping of that flat six, I had two of them made because I was still trying to work out some of the details of it with the lip angle, the lip size, and all the build placement and everything. And I was catching some large mouth on a uh, gravel pit that connects to the Great Miami River. And uh, I was doing roll casts up underneath some trees and stuff. I was hanging down, and it was fall of the year. I make this roll cast and I go pop 
well, I hit the trolling motor as I'm doing the roll cast, you know, and I'm like, oh no, I've only got like two of these. This is making me sick. Reel the thing in and it was actually still okay. I put a good dent in it. I <laughs> put a good dent right here in the belly of it where I hit the trolling motor with the bait, but it actually didn't blow up like I was expecting it to do. Huh, like I would expect awesome. a lot of other wood baits to be able to, to, you know, not be able to take that abuse. So, uh, you know, I, I, mean, I, if I you hit one with a softball bat. I'm pretty sure it can take a whack at a trolling motor. <laughs> well, the problem is, is with the flat side. I mean, there's not as much material there as right. there is brown body. So, you know, I mean, there can only be so strong and it's not a miracle material, but uh, I do believe it's a little better than the balsa is out there. It's, it's the same thing with, like you said, with the, um, the, the bills, uh, yeah. Spro, Spro is a company I can think of that went with that bill yep. pretty heavy and yep. they are harder to break, but you can break it. Yeah. 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 I've broken a few. <laughs> yep. I can probably tell you what brand he's talking about, the bill falling off, because I literally had that happen last weekend. <laughs> like, same thing. Like, wasn't first cast, but, like, by the end of the day, and I hadn't thrown it that much, Yeah. and when I was hooking it back on the rod to put the rod up, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I just got this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've well, broken a few of them out of that model that, that that happened to, but it was never on the very first cast of it. No, I was like, it just made me sick. <laughs> heck yeah. Well, we're but winding down here, guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're winding down here, so uh, I guess we'll give you uh, the floor. I'll let you guys, uh, let you know where everybody can find you. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Yeah, everything is uh, Witty Outdoors. Um, if you do a search for Witty Outdoors on Facebook, Instagram, you'll find us there. Uh, YouTube, I'm working on getting more stuff out there for our business um, on the YouTube side. Um, I've got a lot of video I actually shot over the summer and just haven't had the time to uh, record it yet. <laughs> there you go. That's his website. I loved it. The first thing I saw, it says, this ain't your granddad's square bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I think I thought of that as I was actually putting the website together. I'm like, ooh, I kind of like that. <laughs> Type it up. It's pretty good. <laughs> my, my favorite thing is like it, when it rolled by, it said better than balsa. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I like it. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your product, talking a little bit about it. Um, it's yeah, been it's fun. Great. Yeah, I had fun learning about the process mm -hmm. and actually learning that the whole thing is completely handmade that blows my mind handmade as 100 percent as that gets <laughs> heck like, yeah yeah and your success story yet, so you know <laughs> yeah yeah and your success story is awesome i i'm rooting for you now that's awesome yeah yeah man we gotta we gotta get you to you know we we help brands that you know we believe in and stuff we'll we'll try some out of course and We'll do you like 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 Gat Gadgets since Gat Gadgets came in with accessories for boats and the promoting everybody does for him. He's just too busy to keep up. So we got to get you to that point. Oh, it'd be awesome, man! I love it. <laughs> yeah, and whenever you come out with any other new products or anything, let us know. We'll have you back on to talk Heck about. Yeah, it. sounds good. I've got a couple of baits that I've been kind of working on, but then everything's just kind of been on the back burner for right now. But uh get a little more time hopefully this winter and i uh, got a couple other things that uh, a little deeper diving baits a couple of different sizes i'd like to do but uh you know when you're one two-person shop it takes a little bit of time and it definitely bit. takes time 
going through all the uh, prototyping stages of it. So it's a fun part, but it just takes a little bit of time too. <laughs> Heck yeah. Jimmy, final thoughts? Anything? I need another credit card. <laughs> That's my final thought. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Me too. So. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week and have a good weekend. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.